Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never rot, rust, or fade away, but one which is kept for secure for you in heaven. And this is the very word of our God as it is recorded for us in 1 Peter chapter 3. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, today's lesson expresses one of the richest Christian truths found anywhere in the scripture. Our lesson from 1 Peter. It really is an Easter section. It is a section of joy. It is really a doxology of praise for the people who put their faith and trust in Christ. So if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to take a look at this section of Scripture, verse by verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with the third verse. Right from the get-go, one of Peter's key expressions is this idea of being born anew. In His great mercy, God has given us a rebirth, a new birth into a living hope. Again, here you can see the uh, close connection between the death and the resurrection of Jesus and your baptism. You know, in your baptism, you were brought into this connection with Jesus' death. The old sinful Adam being put to death. And this picture of this new person being raised to life. Again, this rebirth is a earthly image of what has happened in your baptism. And Peter refers to it again and again and again. Baptism, God's action, is an event so different and so radical that we can truly say that we have been born anew. And this rebirth does incredible things to us. Because through baptism, we are given this living hope. Now, Again, it's too bad that the, the word hope in English uh, is, uh, has this idea of I hope so, I think so, I wish, but I'm not really sure. But in the biblical languages, hope is a certainty. It is a done deal. Peter praises God for the marvelous blessings that belong to us because Jesus defeated death and the grave. And if there's anybody who knew the transforming power of the resurrection, it had to be Peter. I mean, remember Peter, he's the guy who repeatedly stuck his foot in his mouth. You know, remember what he said on that dreadful night, I will never deny you. I will follow you always, even to death. And yet Peter denied his Savior. But as a child of God, the tragedy of Peter's own life was turned into one of triumph because of the conquering Lord. It's little wonder the huge difference that Easter made in Peter's life that enabled him to look to the future, to have a future, to have an unquenchable certainty. Instead of being forever doomed in a world that is always changing, in a world where death and destruction reign supreme, Now Peter has forgiveness, he has eternal life, he has a hope in a future. And of course this confidence is not based upon 
anything that Peter has done, or anything that we have done, or anything that we could have ever attained. Peter says it is God's greatest miracle of miracles. By his free act of grace and mercy, our Lord takes the initiative. Again, our Lord does for us what we cannot do or what we could not obtain. Our Lord promises to guard us, protect us, and shield us for that day when our salvation will be fully realized. Again, this is a rebirth that enables us then to respond by living a life of love and forgiveness toward one another, to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Then we go to verse 4. Verse 4 is reminded that we have an inheritance. Now, the biblical concept of an inheritance is different from a worldly inheritance. In biblical thought, an inheritance means a settled and a definite possession, which will be revealed on the last day. You know, as you well know, that uh, you may uh, have already had some thoughts about receiving an earthly inheritance. Maybe you dream about uh, receiving an inheritance from your parents or some rich uncle or aunt. But sometimes that inheritance never comes to fruition. Sometimes it's eaten up with medical cost or nursing home cost, or sometimes it's fiddled away. An inheritance usually is a thing of joy. But here on this earth, sometimes it's a negative thing. Sometimes you may inherit something an estate that is literally in shambles, underwater. It is a mess to deal with. That's not the case with the inheritance that God promises us. This inheritance, from God's perspective, is a sure thing full of joy. And he goes on to say it will not rot, rust, or fade away. It is one that is kept for you. This inheritance that you receive from God will not end up in Larry Swisher's junkyard someday. And this inheritance is undefiled, which means that it's not tainted with sin. It's an inheritance that is secure. Why? Because it's not stored up at the bank. It's not in some sort of earthly vault, but it is kept for you in heaven. Peter then goes on in verse 5 and he reminds us that we are protected. We are protected by God through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, the Christians to whom Peter originally wrote these words were living much like we do. They were living in difficult and dangerous times. And without reservation, Peter assures them that the grace of God is going to be revealed to them. And this makes all the difference, not only on how we look at the future, but it makes all the difference on how we live our everyday life. And then go on to verse 6. Verse 6 speaks about the certainty of salvation. In this you greatly rejoice. 
Peter says, even though now you may have had to suffer all kinds of trials, but these have come for a reason. All kinds of trials. You know, far from glossing over or ignoring them, which would be unrealistic and would provide no comfort whatsoever, Peter meets this head on. And he says, yeah, life in this world at times is a pain. Life in this world at times hurts. And there's nowhere in the Bible where Jesus promises his followers a life from free from trials and suffering. Again, but God can take the very difficult things in our life, the very evil, as we read in Romans 8, and he can turn them around and he can use them for our good. He can even use them to grow our faith. You know, working through tribulation, God actually here refines and purifies our faith to approve us as his own. So verse 7 puts it this way. It says, these trials have come so that your faith, which is of greater value than gold, may result and be proved genuine and result in the praise and honor and glory of Jesus Christ when he comes again. How desperately each of us needs this wisdom. You see, sometimes we're like the little boy who's walking down the sidewalk. He looks at the stained glass windows of a church and he's trying to make out the words of the stained glass window, but he can't make heads or tails of what the words say. And finally, someone comes along and he says, your problem is, is that you're looking at the stained glass windows from the wrong side. So someone takes him into the church, and of course, immediately he reads, it's not hard to figure out, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How many times have we looked at our problems in our life from the wrong side? How many times have we grumbled and complained to God, why me? Rather than recognizing that trouble can sometimes be used by God to build our life, our faith. You know, we never know what kind of trials we're going to face But we do know that God is going to be with us and see us through. And from this fact, we can draw strength to live a life of servanthood, uh, even suffering and celebrating because of Jesus. Again, if the author of our salvation is perfected through suffering, should we expect anything less? So I pray this morning that we can see the difference that Easter makes in our lives. Not only today, but in the future. Because Jesus rose again for our justification. We have a loving God who is still at work. At work in your life. At work and literally loving you. And working in such a way as that he can take even the difficult things and use them for our good. And so it's on this revolutionary note that Peter concludes with verses 8 and 9. What does it say there? Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you have not seen him, 
you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. For you are receiving, what? The goal of your faith and the salvation of your souls. What Peter is really speaking about here is he's speaking to people like you and people like me. People who have not seen Jesus with our physical eyes, and yet you believe. Again, we haven't seen Jesus with our physical eyes. We've seen him with our spiritual eyes, and we fervently believe. Such faith brings us glory. This is the faith in Jesus Christ which clothes us with his righteousness. You know, there can be no doubt that Jesus makes all the difference right now. And with the eyes of faith, we do see him. We love him because he first loved us. Enough to die for us. Enough to rise again. And you know what? As paradoxical as it may seem, we already possess a future salvation in Christ. We have a joyful foretaste of the feast that is soon to come. The feast that we will celebrate forever in heaven. Finally, a graduate student was studying under a great cellist. You know, he played his recital piece. He played it with great uh, precision. But the maestro, the instructor said this, you played the notes, uh, but you didn't play the music. The Easter difference for Peter is described this way. It's not just a matter of the notes, but it's the music and all of its beauty and all of its sweetness. By God's grace, may its melody now empower us to look to the future with hope and certainty, all the while that in our present life we may do so and live our lives in joyful faith in our dear Savior. In His name we ask it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us not just to live our life just to simply play the notes, but help us, Lord, to understand and appreciate the gifts that You have given to us. Help us appreciate what wondrous love is this that would cause the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for our soul. And not just bear it, but conquer death and rise again so that we might have joy today, tomorrow, and for all eternity, knowing that we belong to you. Lord, we pray it and we ask it in your name. And all of God's people said, Amen.